Hello all. It's been a while. I'd like to welcome you to the Knife Journal Podcast, episode 30. It's only been about a week and a half, and I'm with my buddy Kyle Versteg, who has been equally as busy to not produce the much-needed fix of podcasting. Yep. (laughs) You wouldn't believe the amount of, like, emails and texts and Facebook messages. (laughs) I had had threats. (laughs) I had threats. I had had a threat. Somebody called me and wanted to know if they could come up when we were recording and sit in and listen so they didn't have to wait any longer. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Well, I apologize for the length of time. You know, it's, it's the time of year when, uh, when taxes are due and, and, uh, we're about sick of winter. Yeah. Because it's, you know, we've been like, I'm in my my like third week in a row where it's been like 25 below zero every night. Yeah. And uh, my voice is now freezing. So, it's, actually though, I did go ice diving yesterday. Oh man. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. crazy. Went ice diving, training, training diving. We had to cut through 24 inches of ice with a 24 inch bar chainsaw, Ugh. and it still was not long enough to get through the ice. So we had like another inch of ice that we had to break loose before we could get the blocks of ice. They were so big that we couldn't even push them down. Normally we would, normally we would cut a hole and take the piece of ice that's cut and we would sink it a little bit, push it underneath the, the edge so that it's, um, it's underneath the bottom of the ice. So it's, we don't have to haul it out onto the surface. Right. <clears throat> These blocks of ice were so big that we could not push them under the 24 inches of 25 inches of ice that was already there. We could not push them down far enough. Because they were too floaty. Yeah, they were too floaty. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that kind of ice, you could like drive a tank on the ice and not have to worry about it falling through. Yeah. It was absolutely <laughs> amazing. But, yeah. But that's what, that's what I did yesterday. Was, um, it had warmed up to about 18 degrees. And, uh, of course, everybody, will, we, we had, uh, there was like five, four or five departments that were there yesterday. I guess it was five departments there yesterday. Huh. And uh, guys had all kinds of different kinds of problems mm-hmm. with stuff freezing up, you know. And and people don't realize how tough environment that is. Just even though the sun is bright and shiny and, you know, when it's when it's cold like that, nothing works right the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Just ask uh, Napoleon and Hitler what they thought about going into the Russian winter. Yep, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, what do you think about uh, the bear riding Mr. Putin? Yeah. I just, I just laughed my ass off the other day. I, I saw a picture of uh, on Facebook. It was a picture of, of Putin riding on a bear without a shirt on and Obama riding on a My Little Pony 
with a bike helmet on. Yeah, and mom <laughs> jeans. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh my God, we're all going to, we're just going to, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I just well, don't know what's going to happen. I, I think what happened was, uh, like, Putin's like, look, dude, like, I know, like, you ran your college newspaper and you're like this, like, theoretical collectivist and stuff, but, like, um, I'm the guy that the real collectivists use to go kill people and force them to accept collectivism. Okay, I'm the real deal. I'm the real dookie, meaning who's really the shit? It's me. You are like the suburban teenagers who dress up like urban thugs and gang members and try to like act like they're tough no i'm the real deal <laughs> you know did you did you catch that picture of him uh with uh ronald reagan who putin no when he was a KB, kgb guy i didn't i haven't seen that but i know yeah, he was a, he was kgb there was a picture of him posing as a tourist Oh, geez. Right next to him with a camera. Right next to Reagan with a camera. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing is like uh, you're dealing, Obama's dealing with somebody who was the hammer of the hammer and sickle. Right. Okay. He He's the guy that like understands that people do not accept collectivism and you have to force them. Right. You know, and he's he's the guy that had to do the enforcing and you're you're talking to somebody that biggest accomplishment in right life was ran a college newspaper about collectivism right <laughs> you know yeah, so, so of course he else. looks I mean, like he, a fool <laughs> yeah he never did anything else i mean he doesn't know how to do anything else anyways i mean that's the that's the reality of it i mean you got a guy that just doesn't know how to do anything and, and <clears throat> incompetent on every possible level except well, for ginning up uh, racial hatred and things like that. That's the only thing that he's been good at is you know, he was a community organizer who basically took a group of people and turned them against another group of people and got power yeah. that way. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day when I heard the EPA had passed uh, uh, some kind of ruling that said that you can't, you can't, Basically, you had to build. If you in 2015, all wood stoves have to meet a certain standard, which means it has to have so many grams of particulate per liter of air, or something like that. It's or microns of particulate. I mean, it's something yeah. that's so minor that it's 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 almost impossible. I think if you fart, it's probably got more more fecal matter than uh, per liter than uh, the particular that they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's really, it's such a minute about, and, and the, I guess the wood stove industry is saying basically, you know, that's impossible. You, we can't do that. And they're saying, oh, well, you know, everything will be rainbows and unicorns. It doesn't matter. We want the air to be clean. And, and I guess I didn't realize that it was such a big deal. You know, I mean, I see fucking forest fires out West putting out a hell of a lot more particulate than, than all the wood stoves in the United States combined. Well, but and yeah, besides I know that. <clears throat> and I, you know, there's a, it's like 8% of people or something, they heat their house with wood stoves. You know? Everybody on my street, every house on my street, on my block, 
I don't. I mean, it's really not a block, but you know where I live. Yeah, you live in a every country house, lane, basically. Every every house on our road heats their house with wood. Every single house. Yeah. They, they all do. I mean, so so really, when our stoves go to shit, we got to replace. We can't even replace them now. That means what does that mean? Hmm. That means that we have to buy propane. That's our alternative fuel source is propane. And oh, guess what? It's freaking six dollars a gallon. Yeah. Now. Because they because they won't let the Keystone pipeline come through, and okay, so so correct me if I'm wrong. I get this feeling like like this is a conspiracy theory to control all independent thought. Well, if you, <laughs> I, I mean, if you can't even heat your house unless they tell you the right way to heat it. Well, <laughs> I mean, here, here's the other side of the, here's the other side of the coin. If you're if you're of a low income status, lower income status. I'm not even saying on on welfare. What I'm saying is on is like you you're just basically you don't make a ton of money. You know yeah. you got a mom and a dad that both work and they work at minimum wage jobs or a little better than minimum wage. I mean maybe they make fifteen. Yeah, mom's a secretary, dad's a firefighter. Their combined yeah. income is maybe sixty seventy thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and and all of a sudden. Um, you live in a house that your mortgage is eight hundred bucks a month, let's say, and you're and you get a, a winter like we've got. Yeah. And all of a sudden your heating bills, because you're burning propane and there's a shortage of propane because of the global warming weenies won't allow the freaking drilling of oil in uh in Anwar or whatever, and all of a sudden Propane shoots skyrockets to six hundred six dollars per gallon. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of houses up here in the wintertime will burn, you know, a couple hundred gallons of propane a, a month. Jeez. Maybe more. Maybe more. And and uh I mean I don't know my house is pretty well insulated. I don't know how much I would actually burn per month, but but if it went to six dollars a gallon and I had to buy it for six I would be revolting. Yeah. I mean, a, a minimum fill is two hundred is twelve hundred bucks. Well, I okay, know, so all then, of a sudden yeah. it would have normally cost you two hundred bucks a month to heat your house. Now it's costing you twelve hundred dollars to, to heat. You know, and, and they've taken away all have, of yeah. They're taking away all of the alternatives. Yep, like they're, they're taking, taking away all away the alternatives. The, the possibility of <clears throat> you know, like in Iowa, um, there are there are, in the country you'll see people that use the wood burning stoves and things, and then you know because we have lots of um, corn waste and things like that. We even have like corn cob burning stoves and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, just willy nilly making it all illegal. Well, so, you know, I was kind of concerned about this because, you know, I kind of like wood stoves too. And I looked on uh, the interwebs on the EPA site and a, a, they have a list of stoves on there that are, that are meeting the standard. You know, so I don't know. I, I don't know if they mean that it's the current standard or the standard that, you know, was in the past or the one that's coming up, but it's like, um, it, I can't imagine that they're going to be able to ban wood stoves. I, you know, well, I think there'll be, I think there'll be pirate wood stoves. Well, you know, there'll be pirate companies. All of a sudden that little used book of mine, uh, that I, that I learned how to build wood stoves and geez, somebody looks like they were, uh, Somebody looks a little prophetic, don't they? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I was I was learned how to build my own wood stoves and stuff. What three years ago? Mm -hmm. Geez, I wonder what I was thinking. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? What the, the kicker on this whole thing is? If you're a family in that status, you know what's springing up all over the place? Places to go to get assistance with your fuel bills and your utility bills. And guess what? If you went and begged the government, they'll give you some money to pay for your your twelve hundred dollar fuel bill. Well, that they're going to have to take from the from, other people oh, wait, who are in the, the exact same situation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're just going to you know, have I'm, to take I'm, from I'm the people that are in the same situation. Right I'm going through. I'm doing my taxes right now. And I'm about freaking. If I wasn't bald, I'd be pull, you know. If I didn't have such a cool looking mustache. <laughs> I'd be pulling that some bitch out just because it's more hair to pull out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, it just ma- it, 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 it makes me crazy. You know, the the average person when they say, "Well, I'm going to go like you know get money from the government for X," um, sweetie, sweetie, the government doesn't produce anything to have its own money. Okay, so when you go and you get assistance from the government, you're taking money from an actual person who earned that money. Okay, Mm -hmm. the government doesn't produce anything. Obama Mm -hmm. does not have a stash that he can buy you an Obama phone with. Mm -hmm. Shithead. You Mm -hmm. stole the money from someone else. Now, you may have only stolen a fraction of a penny from every single person, but you stole it. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Sorry to be so blunt, but you know we're gonna have you're to come to mean. that reala- you're just realization. Mean. Yeah, quit being so mean. I'm I'm the guy that spends three months a year volunteering in the worst shitholes in the world. Quit being <laughs> and I'm so the mean, guy. Yeah, quit being so mean. Why do you deserve to have so so much? Quit right. being so freaking mean. <laughs> yeah, you're just <exactly>. mean. <laughs> what do you expect? Somebody to work? Oh, uh, never, never, never. God. You know, well, so that's uh, we we can get back to the ranting, but that's that's what people were really missing was like the hate, the hate. That's true. So that's uh, true. Let's let's talk knives. Let's talk knives. You've been beating up steel. You got your grinder going. You still got all your fingers. Yeah, I wear leather gloves. I wear a respirator. Um, you, you want to hear a funny story? You so, probably put out more particulate than a wood stove. You wouldn't you. I'm actually having a very difficult time managing all of the steel dust and other stuff. You got to get a magnet. Get a big rare earth magnet Dude, and put it behind there. That magnet would be it weighs 700 pounds in like a minute. Like those Birking grinders like tear up so much metal it's not even funny and I can't even stay ahead of it. Like so the first time I go out there I'm like grinding away grinding away I'm like, "Oh, there's a lot of dust under me." Get out the shop vac shop vac is instantly plugged beyond like all like and i have like the industrial one i don't have like the one that your grandma bought like i have like an industrial freaking shop vac so so you're just put you're just polluting your whole oh place oh, oh yeah and so so then i tried to do it with like dust pans and stuff like i'm gonna have to invest in like a real dust collection system here eventually because it's like if you do if you do a um what happens if you put water in the bottom of your of your um, uh, vacuum? You know, will that collect it and keep it from plugging up your filter? Well, no, it doesn't. It it, it it's so there's so much that it clumps together and plugs up the actual hose. 
Oh. So I had to I had to take like a long metal rod and like force it out of there. And then the next time you try to vacuum anything up, it just happens again. Like it's it's like it it produces so much metal, it's not even funny. So I've finally figured out a little workaround for that. But you're gonna laugh. Like I wasn't used to like the amount of like metal coming off. I was wearing my famous brown Carhartt hoodie, and uh, <laughs> it caught on fire. Oh yeah. And it it caught on fire so bad that it burnt the zipper in half. Wow. Yeah, so it's like totally ruined. Like wow. My, my favorite Carhartt hoodie is now like, you got to go get another one. Yeah, I know. It sucks. My Wall little, brand is a little bit cheaper, I think. Yeah, but I like the Carhartt stuff, dude. <laughs> uh, the Carhartt stuff lasts for like years. Only unless you catch it on fire. Yeah, I know. Well, so now um, I'm wiser about that. Uh, I started by I started off wearing like those mechanics gloves, right? And uh like I slipped or something. Eep. It like <laughs> totally screwed the glove and like <laughs> tore off the top of my thumb and stuff. <laughs> so oh, yeah. like and it was literally that quick. It was like Eep. like that. Oh, and that's like what was, that's what I was saying. You know, if you th- those things are th- you're like one step away from taking off a finger. Right, right. So now I you, wear. Do you like, have a micron? Do you have micron belts? No, right, right now I've got this. I've got a. I use a, a heavy Bora Seven ceramic belt to remove a lot of metal, then a one twenty grit, and then I will sometimes go up to the two forty. But you know what I found? You know what Lon Humphrey told me? There's these Scotch Scotch Bright belts or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the cat's ass, dude. Mm-hmm. Those things are awesome for finishing. You you don't even need a buffer to finish the blade. Like it, it does such a good job of it. Mm-hmm. So, so I've been using that. Um, but I do need to get a buffer. But um, for some reason, I'm having a hard time like getting the information from certain people. <laughs> but, what, what kind of what kind of buffer to use? Well, I know what kind of buffer because I took pictures um, of on my spy mission. But uh, so I know exactly what kind of buffer, but I can't figure out what wheels they're using, and I can't figure out exactly what compounds they're using. Oh, the compounds are the trick. I know, and that's the thing. And so they told me what it is, but they didn't tell me, like, the brands or anything. No. So, or where you, they're getting it. And if you notice, it. when you go, all of those have locked, cardboard covers. Yep, and it's locked up. And there's, and there's and no they, access to right, the box. No, and, and so, so I was looking in there, so... so Jim goes to like go into this like secret cupboard to like get the secret buffer compound, and I like quick look in there, and he quick shuts it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna have to find some sort of a workaround for that. Um, well, there's th- those compounds. I I don't know where they're getting theirs from. I mean, it's not like there isn't there isn't uh, buffing compounds. I've around. tried I've tried different buffing compounds, and they suck compared to the stuff uh-huh. that they're using. And then they're using, we're talking about Bark River, by the way. Um, and they're using, um, it's not just the buffer machine, it's the wheels they're using. They're right, using right. different wheels than I can get. You know, so, and that's... Aren't those, that's I thought they were just linen wheels. Some of them are, some of them are different, though. They, they're, like, impregnated with, like, unicorn horn dust or something. Oh, well, I know, I know they have some <coughs> flap wheels that are... 
that are kind of interesting. Yeah. You don't see those getting used very much by anybody else. But I'm having a hard time getting that um, information, so I think I'm just going to have to find another way to do it. Um, and then uh, the other... So that's where, that's where I'm at with that. I've got all 15 of them ground to shape and forged and stamped, and I've got three of them ground and ready and polished up for heat treat. Nice. Yeah, but I took a break, and uh, we have uh, PWIP coming up. Yep. So I've, yep. I I uh, forged um, a parang to use there. Nice. Yeah, because we're gonna uh, we're gonna have to heat. Inches? Yeah, the, from the tip of the blade, uh, or from the. Well, I, I'd have to show you, but um, from the from the sharpening notch, so from the front of the handle to the tip of the blade, it's well under ten inches. Um, I think their chopping contest is ten inches usually. Yeah, but see the thing is on the on the parang though you have the you have the handle and the on mine the handle's like between five and six inches mm-hmm. and then there's a two inch choke up spot. Ah, so they might. But then the blade doesn't even start there. The blade there, then there's a, a sharpening notch by the you know in front of the plunge lines mm-hmm. and then the blade starts. Mm-hmm. But that thing in a chopping contest would be, like, brutal. You know, it's like any of the parangs. I suppose I could bring another one with, like, a complete... I mean, because you really... It's not about the length of the blade. It's about the blade geometry and the balance. Like, right. You know, that's, that's like, 100% of it. But, um... Yeah. So that's well, what I'm be doing. Fun. Yeah. So I just got... I just was uh, got a phone call today about doing a doing a quick expedition over to uh, um, a little a little bay that supposedly has rumor has it it's a couple hundred feet deep but rumor has it that a carload of Model A's or Model T's sank right there um, in the twenties mm-hmm. or before the twenties I guess. <clears throat> and so we're with this much ice, we have the ability to go out on there when normally you would not. And there's there's probably you know there's probably ten fifteen inches of ice, which is safe enough to ride a snowmobile all over the place. And we were talking about doing a, um, a two or three day expedition out on the ice where you actually stay out where we actually stay out on the ice, so we don't have to break down everything during the day and night and yeah. And just stay out there and do our do all our research and do all our probing that we need to do and see if we can't either make you know clear up this clear up this urban legend about these cars or or identify where they're at. Yeah. So that's what I'm kind of excited about that. That's yeah, little, that'd be fun. A little different kind of a thing that I get to do once in a while, and <laughs> that'd be a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, so I like doing that. That's my kind of one of my fun deals to monkey business. Yeah, yep. The stuff that makes you what you are. Yeah, you know, stuff that makes you what you are. So what uh, else you been doing? Well, just a lot of grinding and hammering and all that kind of stuff. Working, uh, not really a lot. So we we got the grind in coming up next week. Yep, at I, Bark River. Yep, I'm excited. And, uh, uh, there's a guy I know that might be coming. Who's uh, that? You know who uh, Jay Roosh is? 
Jay Roosh. How would I know him? Uh, you you've met him somewhere. Uh, he's a big knife guy. Um, he might come. He's a friend of mine that uh, I, I've met a couple different times at different events. Uh, and then uh, my friend Tim is coming up. And then, you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of other people there. What you got there? It looks like a cold steel trailhawk, huh? Uh-uh. What is it? Can you read that? Oh, um, s- Crike? Crick? Columbia River? yeah. Okay, CRKT, Columbia River Knife and Tool. Yep. Cool. So they got they got two different kinds of this is called the Woods the Woodsman. Okay. Let's see the Woods. The Woods are the oh I'm sorry. The RMJ Woods C H O G A N. Mm-hmm. Shogun? And then this one is uh, the kanji. It looks like a RMJ Woods kanji, a boarding axe or something. Yeah, this is a this one is nasty. This yeah. one is this one would hurt you. Yeah, it looks like a boarding tomahawk or whatever. Huh. This one would definitely hurt you. Yeah, there's a there's kind of a market right now for tomahawks. I never really got into them yeah, so much you know what i don't i don't know i mean like i i think i've said this before i love throwing these things yeah i i there is there is nothing there is there's not very much that is as exciting as making a tomahawk stick in something or making an axe stick in something or throw you know throwing it and, you know, being able to hit a target with it. Yeah, like all Viking style and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and, you know, I don't, I mean, as a combat technique, I'm not sure that that would be a very effective, <laughs> effective thing. But, but, but for fun, yeah. For shits and giggles, it is actually a lot of fun. It is, it is truly a lot of fun. When you can, when you can stick a tomahawk in a target. Or stick an axe in a target. It is it is really a lot of fun. Throwing knives, same way. Lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun. And once again, a reason to th- have one. Yeah, but you know, it's you know one more thing to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yep. yep. One more one more edged aspect of life to enjoy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just got these. Uh, I just got these in the mail. Um, so I'll bring these up to the. To the grinding because I think we're doing some kind of a tomahawk thing. Oh, okay. Knife and tomahawk fighting. I don't know. Maybe. I'll, maybe I'll volunteer you to be a a dummy, a dummy training <laughs> dummy. I I don't know. I just I get to. I I was kind of voluntold to do that. We're going to do that. So cool. I don't know exactly what that entails, but then. Uh, we got our blanks or should be coming in this week. Yeah, they better be. <laughs> the yep. grinding's yep. next week. Yep, so they should be here pretty quick. Um, For people that don't know, this this has been a long-running thing uh, on the podcast. Uh, we're going we're gonna to give the Tom Brown tracker-style knife a fair college try. Uh, and so we in, enlisted the help of our friend... Uh, Chance Sanders to kind of say, okay, well, what's what's the one? 
and he pointed us to this Beck model, and the Beck model was a grand, and I'm like, eh. So um, we're basically going to be grinding out something pretty darn similar to the Beck model up at uh, uh, Bark River. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to try those out at uh, PWIP and mm-hmm. uh, other places like that. Yep. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Get to put them to the it, test. I think it'll be interesting, you know. And and, I, and like I've always said, you know, I I uh, I've been trying. I mean, how long? Those have been around for a long time, and I've always tried to be to to reserve my opinion because I've never used one. Right. And uh, and yet I've always heard how how awesome they are from guys that have them. Yeah, that people either really love them or they really hate them. <laughs> and 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 the, and the ones that really hate them. I've always noticed that the ones that really hate them are the ones that don't own one and haven't tried it and haven't tried it. You know, it, but so. then but then it's kind of like the then it's kind of like, well, they don't own one um maybe because the cost of ownership is so darn high. <laughs> well, yeah, but it, it wasn't always like that. I mean, those were all they were they were not that expensive before. Well, even the tops model is like a couple hundred dollars, like two hundred and fifty bucks or something, right? Yeah, but that's the same price as a Bark River knife. <sighs> yeah, but um, you're pretty sure that if you buy a drop point hunter from Bark River, that it's going to be something that you're actually going to use and like. If you, yeah. you know, if that's like the you know dr- trying to drop like two hundred and fifty bucks on something that you don't know if you're going to yeah. like it or not. You know. And then the aftermarket for it is pretty limited, right? You know, so it's kind of like, well, mm, but I don't know. I'm willing to give it a shot. I think uh, another reason they're reacting so strongly to it is because uh, um, it's a movie knife. You know, um, like uh, it was in that movie. What's the name of that movie that Chance Sanders loves with Benicio del Torres? Oh yes, what the hell is the name of that movie? Anyway, it's that movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's not called the tra- not called Tracker, is it? Well, Wilderness Survival Knife or something like that. The oh, that's the that's the knife, as they call it WSK. But what the hell is that knife? Is it like the Hunted or whatever? The something? Hunted. The, that's it. The Hunted. Yeah, there was another horrible movie by the name of The Hunted that I can't forget. Um, but I don't think it even made it to DVD. We saw it in the theater, and people were like booing it, like in the theater. It was called The Hunted? Yeah. Or something like that. But it was terrible. It had, uh, um, gosh, what's that guy's name? Well, anyway, I'll think of it later, but just a terrible movie. But the Benicio del Torres one was pretty good, except the problem was at the end, like, Benicio del Torres, like, escapes the authorities and runs out of town, runs to the edge of town to this, like, hydroelectric dam or whatever. And then, like, builds a forge and has, like, a fire <laughs> and, like, forges a knife, like, on the edge of town when there's, like, a manhunt looking for him. And right. it's like, mm, no. Um, I mean, it was it was a neat concept, but they should have had him go further out <laughs> in the country to do that, to make it, like, believable. I, like, lost my suspension of disbelief there. Oh, uh, I see this 1995 film, The Hunted. That's that's probably it. Is it? It's got James Woods in it or something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That thing was terrible. That was a real stinker. 
But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Christopher. Oh, no, no, no. This is not that one. This one has, um, uh, Christopher Lambert, Joan Chen, and John Lone. Yeah, that's probably the one. It's in, anyway. is it in like Japan? Is it is it have anything to do with Japanese? I see some swords. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got like a sword and they had like all this crap. It was stupid. Yeah, well that's that's it then. It's, yeah. <clears throat> that is it. Um Let's see, we got the cold, we got the snow, we got the We got the um Global warming, we got the... Oh, emails. Yeah, we were talking about drop point hunters a little bit ago, and actually got an email from a fella wanting was thinking about the Loveless drop point hunter by Bark River. Wanted to know what my opinion were and what your opinions were, and whether or not we thought that the knife should be reprofiled, or um, because he because sh- he was worried about sharpening it with a Lansky. Because he had a Lansky tool, and that's how he keeps his knives sharp. And um, the, the Bark Rivers are uh, convex grind. Yep. So that's what he's worried about. Yep, yep. And and it's kind of interesting because I, you know, one of the, one of the things we, t- we talk about fair, a fair amount is the fact that 90% of the knives that get bought will never be... As, and, and this is a big deal for guys. 90% of the knives that are bought will never be as sharp as they are when they first opened up the box. Yeah. That's, that seems to be one of the, that seems to be one of the, the big things. And people go to a Lansky because, and they, and they put a bevel on it because it's easy to maintain a certain level of not sharpness. Um, but it'll always be the same amount of not being sharp. As it could be, yeah, you know, and <clears throat> and I think people get afraid of the convex edging because they don't see any kind of a line of demarcation, <laughs> you know, yeah, a line at the edge of the sharpness, the secondary bevel. They don't see any of that on, um, because it gets blended in, mm-hmm. basically, um, and and I say to people all the time. Do not be afraid of this. Once you learn how to how to sharpen this and figure out how easy it is to, to maintain one of these, mm-hmm. your other knives will become the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, because it seems to be when you put a convex edge on the even even on one that's got a secondary bevel, if you make that bevel convex, they tend to stay sharper longer. Yeah, and it's it's just a uh, once you figure out how to do it. Um, 
it's like game on. Like yeah. every every yep. knife you have is going to be convex from then on. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and unless you're a big stickler about having the secondary grind line, if that's real important to you, it's if that's more important to you than the performance of the knife, then you then it's probably not going to be for you. Yeah. But if you're if you are a person that uh, is as after the best performance that you can get out of a piece of steel, you tend to lean toward the convex sides. Yeah, and I was a big, big naysayer about that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I, you know, before before we get into why, why don't you tell them how to sharpen a, a convex yeah. with with well, stuff that's around your house? You can use. Um, your 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 pair of Levi's. Oh, hang on a second. The puppy now will come in and go to sleep. He's been outside for a couple hours now, so he ought to go right to sleep. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I've been kind of spoiled lately because I've been using uh, um, a work sharp. Yeah. You know, I pull the I pull the grinder off and I and I use a work sharp and I you know. But you can you can use a leather strop. Bark River sells them. A couple other companies sell them. I think uh, Jason from DLT has them, and and uh, Knifeship Free has them. And what they are is there'd be a block of a block of wood mm-hmm. with a leather piece on the top of it, and then you load that leather piece up with that secret green and black compound, which Excuse which me? is helping no one. <laughs> What's that? If I can't get it, there's no way in hell. Well, no, no, you can get it. get it from those guys. You just can't get huge amounts of it to buff your buff your shit with. Yeah, but you can get small blocks of it because yeah. they because I have it. I have a I have a kit. Um, in fact, I, I probably have one right here. Hang on. I got my props, but this is not a it's not television, so we're in radio. So, um, this one, go ahead. Now. This is uh. This is a strop lock mm-hmm. that that you could get from I don't remember if it was uh, um, if it was Derek or if it was Jason or if it was both, but it was something that was available through Bark River. And what you can do is you had the thing was set up so that you can have your block your your black compound and your green compound, and if you notice that it is black and it is green, yeah. Because with this you got a you got two chunks of that shit. Yeah. And trust me when I tell you, if you're sharpening a knife by hand, those two chunks last you a long time. Yeah. So basically and what what he's holding up is a rectangular piece of wood with leather con a leather strip con contact cemented to one side and a leather strip contact cemented to the other side. Yep. And and you would and you would take this wooden block mm-hmm. and you basically strop your you you run your blade back and forth on it mm-hmm. gently. You don't do it hard. You don't push hard on it or nothing. You just gently drag your knife back and forth on it, mm-hmm. and and that will that that's how you maintain your edge with that. Um, they're not the only ones that have this stuff. Uh, a company called Hand America years ago was selling these Corian blocks. Yeah, and 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 with little rubber feet on them. Yeah, and and basically it's a leather glued to a piece of corian uh-huh. people you can make these yourself this is not this is not brain surgery this is not you know 
this is not difficult. You can go down and get a to to your um, local guy that makes uh, countertops and get a piece of scrap Corian, and you can make you can make something like this out of it, or just, just a piece of wood, or just a piece of wood. It yeah. doesn't have to be. It doesn't and have to be a, anything. And then a piece of leather and some contact cement. Yep, yep. And 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 the the compound is available from those guys. If you go on to uh, to Knife Ship Free or, or or DLT, their websites, you'll find that that compound is available there. Yeah. But it won't be in a label it, in in an environment that you can figure out what it is to buy it. Yeah, just don't try to directly. get it from Mike or Jim. <laughs> no, you can. Yeah, I think you probably can. You probably can get it from them, but <laughs> they won't tell you right? what it is, though. But they won't tell you what it is, and and you know what? I I don't believe that when you look at when you get it from Derek and and uh, and Jason, I don't think you can you can figure out what it is from that either. It's the magic stuff. Yeah, it's just red or green compound. <laughs> yeah, but uh, another another kind of way of doing it that I've heard of people doing, I've never done it this way, is you take a mouse pad and some sandpaper. Yeah, yeah, don't don't do that. Don't yeah. share that. I mean, you, you I, I hurt, haven't you hurt knives with that. Yeah, I have never done that, but that's another yep. way that is described. Now, that's, I would that's I but would that say is a way um, people people say that all the time, but they but you you kind of screw up the geometry that way because what happens is you tend to push harder, and what what happens is is that instead of it's hard, without any props. It's hard to explain it, but if you think about when you push the edge of your knife down on something, uh-huh. if you push it down too hard, what happens to the material that's behind the blade, behind the it cutting edge? It deforms and flattens. It forms and flattens, so it goes above it and behind it. So it actually rides up the edge almost straight up and down. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is you actually you actually change the profile. To a more blunt edge. Yeah. <laughs> if you push too hard, on, and you can do that with leather too. Yeah. If you push too hard on the leather, you can do that too. But what you have to, and you do it with a slack belt. You can do the same thing with a slack belt. If you apply too much pressure to it, what you're going to do is the as the as the edge of the sandpaper or the edge of the of the grinding material comes up behind the behind the cutting edge, it actually starts sanding a, a, almost like a 90 degree angle yeah on the cutting edge and so so that's why um, that's why the straps are uh, if the firmer the material the better it is yeah and that's why that's why backing it up with a piece of wood works a lot better than than um, I mean a mouse pad you can make a mouse pad work but you have to you have to put so such little pressure on it that you're almost not doing it. You'd have to be it. very conscious of what you're doing. Yep, exactly. Now, um, I would say, now this is a janky way, and I'm not recommending this, um, but for field sharpening, uh, if you're going to be out, like, say, in jungle or whatever for, like, three weeks, um, every knife that I take out there has a convex edge on it and every single one of them gets used and needs to be resharpened. If you are careful, uh, you actually can do it with a small stone. Um, it's not, but you have to be very conscious of what you're doing. And, and it's, it's literally, you don't have to do that much. It's just a couple little passes and it'll, 
it'll reform those teeth that you're looking for or straighten the ones up that are already there. Um, and and pe- back in the day, back in the day when um, when kitchen knives were sharpened on a stone, most of them were actually ended up being convex edged. Yep. Because what happens is you cannot make two passes and continue to have exactly the same, you know, the same yeah. angle, the same everything else, um, because it's impossible to handhold it at the same exact angle every single time. Right, and eventually you get it convexed. Now the yep. other the other thing I want to direct people's attention to, um, and this this gets absolutely no play in the sharpening world is a steel. Um, I have uh, kitchen knives that get used continually, and every I, I very rarely have to sharpen them. Between uses, what I'll do is I'll take them and I'll use a steel, and it's, it's magically sharp again. And basically what you're doing is you're just, the little teeth that form the edge, they're bent one way or the other, or they're, you know, whatever. If you run a steel over there, uh, it straightens them back up, and you have an edge again. It's it's probably not like a perfect sharp edge, but it's enough that you're going to well, notice a big difference in the sharpness. And the other thing too is you 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 don't want to use that on a um on a blade that's got a fairly sharp a, a fairly hard edge, uh, only because what happens is I, I and the reason I know this is that that's an old school way. Back in the day, when you when when butchers were using pretty much softer carbon steel bladed blades, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they would be in the you know maybe fifty six Rockwell, fifty seven Rockwell, mm-hmm. not the sixties and sixty twos that you're seeing today on kitchen knives. I gave my dad a beautiful, beautiful Hattori kitchen knife. I mean, it was a really nice piece. And I said, Dad, please do not, do not use the steel on this knife. I said, because the Rockwell on it is very hard. Um, it's, it's like, it, that was like a 62 Rockwell. Mm-hmm. And it, what, what that does is it means that the blade is, ex- the blade edge is extremely brittle. Mm-hmm. And if you bang it on a piece of steel, you'll chip it. Mm-hmm. So, six months later, He's complaining to me about how dull this knife was and and if I had some way to sharpen it. And so I went over and looked at it, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I touched that up, you know. I go over and look at it, and it looked like a serrated blade. <laughs> because he's, he's it, slamming it in there. Well, yeah, he had yeah. it. He had it. Uh, he Well, he was running it over the over the steel, and and it, it basically it, it chips out the edge. And uh, so I had to, I had to basically, you know, regrind the edge of the thing. And I said, I said, I told you this is too hard to be using on that steel. Be, but, but the, but the difference is basically is the hardness of the of the steel. When you when you have a modern kitchen knife, and I, I'm talking about a high end, you know, one. The you're not talking stuff, about not, the thirty dollar Walmart. Yeah, knife. yeah, no, no, I'm yeah. not talking about those. I'm talking about the higher end stuff. Um. They're not like the kitchen knives, like the old, um, the whole, like the ones that, that you could get from Case or Ontario, the old. Um, yeah, or, or Chicago Cutlery. Chicago or Cutlery. What was the, what's that? Uh, what's Ontario's? That's the that brand. It's called Old Hickory. Old Hickory. Old Hickory. Yeah. And and those knives are high carbon steel blades, mm-hmm. and they're a little bit softer than mm-hmm. than a than the regular kitchen knives, and a lot of butchers use that stuff. 
You know, they mm-hmm. use those wooden handles. Well, not so much wooden handles anymore, but the Forstners and yeah. the, the, they still are, they're plastic. The Dexter Harrington, Dexter uh, Harrington knives are the big plastic handles. They're probably the most used butcher knives mm-hmm. uh, made. Or Dexter Russell. Dexter them, them in Chicago, uh, I have a couple of those, and, and then the other ones that I see a lot um, are the Chicago cutlery ones. Yep, yep, and, and, they're, uh, and they're a little bit softer, and those guys will use those steels on them all the yeah. time. And and what and that what that does is it does lift the edge straight again. That's been rolled over. Yeah, and that's the whole point of it. And most people don't even know how to use those properly because they they bang them, you know, they bang them up yeah. against the blade. They. Um, but what but what ends up happening is when you're trying to pull a uh, uh, a blade that has a um, if you if you have it rolled over a little bit on a blade that's sixty Rockwell and you and you just absolutely pull it straight on one pass it breaks it off yeah and that's what that's why the that's why the steels do not work well with um, with the harder blades <clears throat> but. That being said, um, if you use a regular stone, you, I mean, all of those knives ended up with carp with uh, convex edges. Eventually, because yeah, you, yeah, because of you, because you can't hold the you cannot hold the knife so perfect that you end up with a secondary bevel. Yeah, um, well, it, it always ended up it always ends up a little rounded. And I I should mention that um, one of my things when I'm looking for a knife. Uh, is that it has to be something that I can sharpen myself. Like there's a there's a balance point between, you know, it goes dull after I cut like one roast with it, and uh, it's super hard, but it's like impossible to sharpen. Mm-hmm. You know, and and my thing is, um, I I don't like the super duper hard steels um, simply because they're more difficult to sharpen. And you can't use a steel on them because it, it's mm-hmm. it, it's way less time investment for me to just grab a steel and go like that, literally that fast, and then get back to work than it is to like break out a stone and do all this monkey business, mm-hmm. you know. And and I kind of feel that way about my woods knives. Like, where the hell am I going to get a grinder? It, you know, when I'm when I'm a week and a half hike away from any place that's got electricity. You know, like, so I I love the whole concept of the super steels and stuff, but man, I tell you what, like, as as somebody that actually uses them and has to maintain them, um, you know, I I kind of prefer something just a little bit softer. Yep. But, yep. Those are big issues. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Those are those are big big issues, and and uh, and the only you know I. The only reason to uh, um, to have these super steels is they tend to stay sharper a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but when they're dull, it takes a lot longer to get them sharp again. Well, and then you know, and that's, then, the, that's the big trade-off. I yeah, mean, and then, there is no perfect, you know, there's no perfect blade steel. I mean, there's. There's some that are, you know, guys will say, well, you know, if it's this, it's, you know, but yeah, but that, then it corrodes. And if it's that, well, yeah, but then it's too hard to sharpen. It's way more abrasive resistant. It costs more money because it's, it takes more belts to make it. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into these, you know, and, and to be honest about it, a lot of the high end blade steels, 
they go into knives that very rarely get carried. Mm-hmm. And, and so they don't have to worry about it. And even more seldomly used. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. But, yep. Uh, yeah, I, I, and then, but and if then. Somebody, if somebody was worried about uh, the the ability to put an edge on a, on a, um, uh, on a con, you know, a convex edge and how, and maintaining a convex edge, I would say to them, do not be afraid of it. Yeah, it's it's no big deal. You know, it's really not that big a deal. Um, you might have to play with it a bit, but you'll get it. It's yeah, yeah. You'll get them to where they're they're they'll they'll sharpen your they'll cut your hair off. Yeah. What else is going on? Well, not much. Um, not much. Looking through the forums here. Uh, oh, I did see. There's a forum topic, but I saw this. Um, they're doing for our hipster friends. Uh, you can get a beard transplant. What? Yeah, like you know how like they they do like hair transplants from like one part of your body to the top of your head. Well, now, yeah. like they're doing like beard transplants for hipsters. <laughs> Why? Is because, that really an issue? Well, for hipsters it is. Like, they have to have a beard. It's like, your arms are smaller than my thumbs. You have no muscles anywhere on your body, but you have this huge beard. It's like, I understand you're, like, trying to be all ironic, because typically, like, beards are associated with manly men, but, like, maybe maybe doing the whole, like, beard transplant thing is, like, taking the thing just a little too far. <laughs> really? That's really... That's not just one of those. No, that's real. And there's somebody put a link to two different stories about it in our in our thing on uh, if you go to knifejournal.com, go to the forums, and then go to podcast. There's a thread on there called uh, "For All You Hipsters." <laughs> wow. But um, yeah, so there's there and there was a link on the Drudge Report. That's how I found it. Um. So there's a uh, hipster beard transplants. Let's see what else. Um, uh, oh, somebody was asking about about Les Stroud, um, and me not being much of a TV guy, I don't have much opinion. I did see one episode of him. He's that guy that um, goes like he's a solo guy that'll go from point A to point B in the wilderness and like film mm-hmm. it all himself. And the one mm-hmm. episode I saw was like very entertaining, so mm-hmm. th- that's really the only opinion he, I have. You know, I personally, I don't mind him so much. I think he, I think he actually puts out inform, information that's usable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's entertaining. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's a bad guy. Yeah, actually, he's he's a. Uh, uh, he lives in Canada, so I can't really hold that against him. Yeah, and he's Canadian. <laughs> um, I, I met him once at a once or twice at a shot show, and um, I, he seemed he's a lot smaller than I thought he would be. I hmm. thought he was bigger, but you know, I guess if you're the only one on the screen, you can't really compare him with anything. But yeah, um, maybe he has um. Those uh, boots with the fur with, like, big platforms on them or something. He has, you know what, he has, uh, no, actually, he was dressed like the way, he was pretty much dressed the way I dressed. I like, mean, he was not anything, shit. yeah, he was not anything, um, he he was actually pretty unassuming. 
Yeah. Uh, is is what yeah, that's, I thought. And that's the way he comes off on in, on yeah. the one episode. I mean, I, I know, thought... I thought it was a good show. I mean, but yeah, I just he, don't have enough experience with it. To I saw him on another. I saw him on a sh- another show that he had done about being living off the grid. Okay, and that was actually more interesting to me than than his survival show. Mm-hmm. Um, while I did, I I don't I don't have anything bad to say about his survival show. Out of all the different survival shows, it probably is is probably one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, because he he pretty much I mean, you can tell when he's having a miserable time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I always notice that is when he uh, uh, when he's miserable, he pretty much tells you. Yeah, turns on his camera and says, "This is this fucking sucks." Yeah, and and, um, and because it's because it's like just him, like he can't get airlifted to like a hotel. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. But but he did he did a show about living off the grid, and I found that to be a, quite amusing. Uh, you know, talking about his systems that he had in place in his house, and um, you know, I think he's an interesting guy. I, I yeah. think he he would be somebody that I would I would I think enjoy being on a trip with. Yeah, you and know, I think he's knowledgeable enough that. Uh, and if I that, actually had a TV, I'd probably watch his show. Yeah, yeah. So I don't even know if you can get his stuff on Netflix. Can you? I I have no idea. I mean, I've literally had no time lately. Since I since I got that grinder, I have not sat down. I I get up at four in the morning. I work for a few hours, shower, go to work, come home, eat dinner, play with the kids, go back out to work, shower again, like fall into bed and sleep. <laughs> like there's no time for anything else. Dude, right now. you're gonna have a psychotic episode. Who says I haven't already? <laughs> <laughs> Who says my whole life hasn't been one? <laughs> Better be careful. Your wife's not going to be happy. Oh, I make her happy. Um, but the 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 point is like, you know, the, so so. Are you ready to tell people about? Um, you don't have to be specific, but you did just start a Facebook page for it today. So I mean, the cat's out of the bag. Well, yeah, but I don't know what the cat. Well, uh, do, we don't have to. You don't have to even tell them about the cat. But okay. do you want to just tell no, them you started no, something? No, no. We, we, I mean, you, I've been working on a project for about the past probably ten years, I would say. Yeah. And and it in the last year it became more and more apparent that I really needed to do this. Um, and and uh, I see a bunch of people that start up knife companies that really don't know much about knives. And I was thinking, you know, I probably ought to take advantage of some of my knowledge. And uh, and I I did some did a little bit of research on a name, and I came up with a with a um, uh, a company that a name that is has not been used. It's uh, the trademark was dead, and so I re-trademarked it, and it was co- and it's called uh, the American Knife Company. Yeah. Which I'm surprised that nobody, you know, there was a period of time when when guys were going through and they were just every old every old company that wasn't in business was guys were trademarking the names just to stop anybody else from grabbing it and yeah. not quite sure why that this one slipped through but it was uh, was a company that was uh, uh, that was in existence I think until like 19 maybe the 40s. Mm-hmm. 
um, from like 19, I mean, it started out in the 1800s, and then I think it closed up for a while, and then it reopened, and it closed in, in around the war, I guess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I thought it was kind of a cool name, and uh, um, what what my vision was for this company was to build knives that were, had the same, well, I, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I love the old style knives, uh-huh. like old marbles, ideals, and woodcrafts, and and all of those old stick tang knives that were real popular in the you know 30s and 40s and 50s. And I thought what I would do would be, you know the the big sticking point for most people with those knives is the fact that they have a stick tang, uh-huh. and there's this there's this internet notion that they have inherent flaws right and i thought well you know if that's why the popularity of the of the uh of the of the full tang knife now mm-hmm. and guys are you know they're they're literally taking the 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 amount of steel that was in a full tang kni- or a stick tang knife and they're just skeletonizing a full tang knife it literally has almost the same the the same mass it's mm-hmm. just in a different spot and, uh, you know, I've been working on this project for a while with somebody else, and, and um, we came up with a, with a design plan that, um, that allowed us to, to build a knife with a guard in place, uh, uh, like a, you know, like it could, be a, it could be a Marble's Ideal knife with a guard and a full tang. Yeah, and we should and probably not- stop there. Um just because uh, you will reveal more than you want to. Yeah, um, probably. But, but basically what I wanted to do was I wanted to bring you up as an example. Um, you started a company. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it used to be, um, and I think, I think things really started changing after people came back from World War II. Mm-hmm. But pre-World War II, you would have... Um, and you, you can see you can see this in old in television shows that were set like in times before World World War Two. Okay, so like the Waltons or Little House on the Prairie, and you know yeah that's just TV. But um, I can tell you from my own family history that that it was this way. You'd you'd have a job, um, the the man of the house or whoever would have a job, and he'd go to the job and he'd work for somebody else. Okay, for eight hours or whatever. And then sometimes, you know, they didn't need you because it was seasonal or whatever. So you'd have you'd have multiple jobs that you were working for somebody else. But then on the side, you had your own thing going. And mm-hmm. you were trying to build your own thing up. And so you were you were not only working for somebody else, but you also worked for yourself. Right. Okay. And this is something that I've always believed in. And I run multiple, multiple, multiple companies. 
and right. have multiple multiple side projects going at all times and it's uh you know we got into this notion that you know you're going to go to I'm going to go to my job uh drive my pickup truck there and show up at 8 and you know I get an hour lunch I'm going to leave at 5 I'm going to go home I'm going to watch TV drink my beer go to bed have a weekend off and that's going to take care of everything and I'm going to have health care and I'm going to have a nice house no you're not okay that was a very very false thing that happened for a while okay and the reality of the situation is is that is going away you dum-dums that wanted obamacare and you are a dum-dum uh you have just done away with full-time employment for almost everyone and so you know i know it's i know it's scary people I know it's hard to get motivated to do it because you're stuck in this you know brief history of humanity where you had one job and that's all you did but you know you're going to have to start working a little bit for yourself and that and that's basically why I brought that up or why I asked you about mm-hmm. the company that you just formed is because if you want to know what the new economy is It's not like you go to some tech job in like, you know, Silicon Valley. Like all of that stuff is it comes and goes, you know. And then and you know, 10 years later it's going to be some other thing. You know. There's a huge amount of there's a huge amount of contracting that goes on right now. Right. Nobody nobody is willing to invest the kind of money it takes to to have a full-time employee anymore. So what they're doing is they're they're contracting you for a job. Yeah, and then you, you know, have I to pick you to up do your this own job benefits. and then when you're done with that job, you're pretty much on your own. Right. You're back out on the streets. Well, and that's the way it always was. Like the whole mm-hmm. concept of a 40-hour full-time employee job, that's like a post-World War II thing. You mm-hmm. know, you would you would go and work at the sawmill when he had a load of wood in. Okay, but that's not going to meet all your needs. And that's right. that's we that's where we were and that's what we're going back to. You know, so people seems like it, yeah, people it? better get the idea that you know you guys voted for it. This is what you wanted. Okay? You not only voted for Obama the first time, you voted for him again. Okay? This is this is now your reality. This is what you have to deal with. And I and if you want to deal with it, you got to understand that you're going to have to work more than one job. You know, and You know, it'll be interesting <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see what happens this November. Uh, the the elections of November 14 because that is going to be the telltale sign of which direction we continue to either go or if we do actually change directions I don't think this it'll will make be, any difference th- this will be the t- what's that I don't think it'll make any difference because well, because Obama still has to sign the legislation yeah but yeah but it, it will make the difference between whether we continue on the path that we are on or if we change directions and go back to the way we were doing things but prior. The, the, well, um, but, but I would say that this is a mid this is a midterm election and typically the people who vote in midterm elections are the people that are pissed off at the way things are going. The people that are happy the way things are going, they don't vote in the midterm elections, they vote for president. And right. and this is this is, you know, back when people were pissed at Clinton in uh 1994, boom, he lost he lost everything how both right. you know and then the same thing um in 2010 same thing boom he lost it but then they get reelected and they get reelected because the general population goes out and votes for president 
you know so they they may lose a little momentum but the country keeps going in that direction yeah you know and well like i said it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens because this is totally unsustainable and forget and it yeah when you have a when you have a uh, right now we're in a position from we were the <clears throat> we went from being the big dog on the block to the chihuahua <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with chihuahuas they make wonderful lap dogs for somebody else but they sure as hell not who i want protecting my front door mm-hmm. and and if you look at what we're doing in afghanistan if you look at what we're doing what we did in iraq we totally gave it back mm-hmm. to the bad guys absolutely gave it back to the bad guys walked away from it we're doing exactly the, the same thing in afghanistan because we have no teeth anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what's going on in uh, in, uh, uh, in with Russia with Russia right now is mm-hmm. an exact. Ex- it's it's exactly what Mitt Romney said was going to happen. It is exactly what Sarah, pa- whether you like Sarah Palin or not, whether you think that she's a bitch, it doesn't matter. She was completely right. Yep. You know, and I'm not sure why somebody like like her scares people. Doesn't make any sense to me. Except for the fact that she's fairly truthful, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, but people hate her. I don't know why people hated Mitt Romney so much. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you hate somebody that's been that successful? Doesn't make it. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. But why do you continue to <laughs> elect Harry Reid? Be, because he he promises to take from you and give to them. That is why they don't care. You know they don't care. They just want the Gibbs me dat. That's what they want. They're like, gives me that, and whoever says they're going to give it to them, that's that's what happens. And that's that's the country, by and large. You know, we had a shift away from, you know, respecting private property and and uh, individual rights towards collectivism. We are now a collectivist country. Forty-seven percent of us get some sort of government handout in some form or another. You know, it it's. It's just the way the country is now. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you, but every, I, I, do, I cannot imagine another Republican who isn't a Gibbs me dat Republican, which is almost all of them now. Uh, I can't imagine another Republican being elected for president ever. I mean, they, you might get them in the midterm elections for your congressman or whatever. Um, but the demographics have shifted massively. And so you're thinking that Hillary, what do we care what happens in Benghazi? Clinton is going to be elected our next president? If she promises the Gibbs me dat, yes, she will be. Absolutely. What does it matter that our ambassador was killed? Nobody gives what a shit about matter? that. Nobody gives a shit. They want goodies. They want Gibbs me dat. Well... How do you think that they feel when when you've got a family of five, three kids, and a mom and a dad both working, 
and they can't heat their house and buy groceries. Well, they're going to oh, they're oh, they're going to uh, say Gibbs me that. They're going to say, "Well, I can't do this. Gibbs me that." But even even that lifestyle, even that even the lifestyle that you're describing, it still won't be the lifestyle that that we lead. Yeah, but they don't have to do anything for it except breathe. It, it, listen, listen. I will I will place a bet with you. Uh, that if you take a group of 10 people just randomly selected from different backgrounds and you give them the choice of absolute sloth or actually working and feeling good about stuff, sloth is going to win. Like not Maybe not every 10 of those people is going to choose sloth, but the majority are. And so if you play up to sloth and gives me that, you are going to win elections, you know, the, the, and it's sad, but that's that's part of who we are now. You know, you know, it's and and I'm thinking that maybe I'm not that I still am not that jaded yet, and I still believe that 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 human nature wants to be good, wants to work hard, wants to be successful mm-hmm. at no matter what level it is. Um, but it's hard to do that. It's hard to start your own company. It involves well, sure risk. It you might well, spend sure you might spend uh, two hundred bucks trademarking your company name, and uh, it might not work. <laughs> yep. You know, or you might yep. spend a couple thousand bucks on a grinder, and you might not ever sell a single knife. Right. You know, that's that's the problem. Like people don't want to take the risk. They want the gives me that. You're absolutely sure, absolutely, it's absolutely certain that your government check is going to come. You're absolutely positive, you know, at, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, but how, what is what not kind of positive is, is that? that your hard work is going to pay off. You know, when you look at when you look at um, why people came here originally, it was pretty much because they came here because they were from they were in a society. That they could not get out of. Mm-hmm. They could not get. They could not ever get a leg up. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much why people left where they were and came here. Because all of a sudden, I had an opportunity to make my my digs better, mm-hmm. to make my lifestyle better, to make it better for my kids. I don't have to live in this cold water flat. I can live a little better if I go to America. And I and I take a chance and I start a bakery. And I live above the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have a, 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 a better chance. I find it hard to believe that we're totally divorced from that now. That 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 is not what our. I mean, I, you know, I live a I live a nice lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I would not. I would not want to lessen my lifestyle. I still want to make my lifestyle better. Mm-hmm. And I'm 50. I still want to make it better. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm not 50. I'm 36. Forget I said that. <laughs> Bleep that out. Bleep that out. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> you know, but but seriously, I I I still I enjoy things that are you know I love nature. I love being out. I love doing things. I love going places. I like art. I like fine wine. I like 
expensive cigars. You can't do that with a government check. Yeah, you can. You think you <laughs> EBT, can. baby. <laughs> <laughs> do a do a suit search for EBT and see what but, people are buying. They're buying. The they prop- live way the hell better than I do. Way better. Well, I, the people that come come into my practice uh, that are on you know every freaking government program under the sun, they pull up to the front door in a car that's way better than mine, with a phone that's way better than mine, with clothing that's way better than mine. Like it's not because they don't have to pay for anything else. All they have to do is buy like the consumer good stuff, you know. And it's I just think that. You were talking about a a different time in in human history, and I so I get your I get your point that people by and large want to do that, but but the soft easy life is is really what they want. So the so the question becomes: Are we going to end up back like nineteen fifties Russia, nineteen seventies Russia? Way worse. Or current Cuba, we're gonna we're gonna have the same exact problems that happens to every other collectivist society in the world. No, yeah, but I but understand that we're going from uh, a country that was thriving, and we're getting now we're becoming a third world country because we're importing the worst of the third world into our country. And we, our culture. We let, a, we let a million people who are the dregs of the third world into our country every single year. You know, it, the, the, the difference between immigration back then and immigration now is immigration back then is exactly what you were describing. You want a better life for yourself. Immigration now is, I want better benefits. I want gives me that. You know, that's the difference. You know, you, and we're taking a million of them on a year. Well, <laughs> the, I'm the going immigra- to my island. I mean, you're you're importing collectivists is what you're doing, yeah. and you wonder why your your country. You wonder what happened to your country. You know, your country went away because you because we let uh, a million collectivists into our freaking country every year, and then we have big, huge breeding farms in the city for collectivists. You know, back in the '60s, we started this big housing program thing. And, uh, you know, of course it's going to lead to generations and generations and generations of dependence on the government and collectivism. Of course it's going to. That's what it was designed to do, dum-dum. You know, that's what happened to our country. You know, we, we let that stuff in. It's like, oh, well, you know, everybody should have a house. Everybody should have free this, free that. Okay, well, number one, if you believe that, then go out and build the house using your own money. Okay, and give it to somebody. But but the you know, it, it, eventually it's like don't feed the bears because if you feed the bears, what happens? Eventually they're going to eat you when you stop yeah. giving them the food. You know, <laughs> and that's yeah, a, that's true. That's unfortunately what's <laughs> what's what's going on. Yeah, that's true. You know, and I, but yeah. I, I mean, there is hope. I do think that people, by and large, would want to be free but they're going to have to overcome that addiction to um stuff free stuff stuff. and they have to get it in their head that when they get something from the government they're taking it from somebody else 
The right. government does not produce anything. The right. government has money that it no, took wait, wait, from wait. somebody. They produce something. They produce red tape. Right. They basically they basically are there to uh, put chains on the people who are actually producing something. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, the the idea that people are going to have to get in their heads, and I think deep down people know this, and I'll tell you why in a second, but the idea that people are going to have to get in their heads is there is no such thing as a free lunch. If you're getting a free lunch, you're taking it from somebody who actually earned it. You right. know, And the reason I think, uh, <laughs> one of the reasons I think that, that you know, people deep down know that is the reason we have so much freaking people that feel shitty about themselves now. Right. You know, everybody's like looking for a magic pill to, to feel happy and all this stuff. Uh, and it's like, dude, you have no reasonable expectation of, of ever being happy because you're a scumbag. Okay. If you're, if you do scummy stuff to people and if you don't earn your own money and you don't do this and you don't do that and you treat other people like a scumbag, how do you think you're ever going to be happy? You know, deep down, people know <laughs> that that people know that as as a truth. But yet, the gives me that is such a powerful allure. You know, <laughs> it's drugs, man. It's like drugs. Yeah, that's you know, all these people that go around looking for all this new age shit and you know, organic this and organic that, and oh, I can't have BPA. No, the reason you feel shitty is because you're a scumbag. Nine times out of ten. You know, and it's like you're looking for some mystical answer to that when the answer is right in front of your nose. Stop being a jackass. <laughs> don't be a baby. Yeah, don't be a baby. You know, <clears throat> get up and, and do something for yourself. Yeah. Well, and, that's, and stop, that's a, stop leeching off of your neighbor and then maybe you'll feel better. That's a that's a big issue. I'm telling you, that's a big issue that we're going to be confronting here shortly. And I'm not sure the the the. The problem is, we don't, ha- we can't afford it. It it has to crash. It has to crash. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the whole healthcare system, what they did, it literally was designed to not work. Mm-hmm. Because what we were goaded into believing, and and I say when I wasn't, but but what people were 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 goaded into believing was that. This magic bullet was going to be self-sustaining, and it was going to run like a like um, uh, what's the um, like the perpetual motion machine? Yeah, that doesn't exist. No, you know they keep thinking. Well, it's it's like the it's like the it's like the administration and a hospital that lays off people that are providing services to the patients. Because they believe that they are the ones that are providing the income, because they're the ones that do the paperwork that get paid that they get paid for. And if they don't do the paperwork properly, they don't. They don't. Nobody gets paid. So they believe that they are the ones that are generating the income. When the reality is, it's the medical provider that's the service <laughs> provider that's actually doing the work that they're getting paid for. Yeah. And well, believe me, I've had this fight before, and uh, I've actually left uh, a place because of similar types of things. And as soon as I left, boom, there goes their budget. Yeah, you know, and it's like, look, 
you know, I told you before, you know, you can, you can try to act like, you know, if you weren't here that I would be, you know, with, with a, up a crick without a paddle. But like, if I'm not here, you really are up a crick without a paddle. There's another place for me to go. There's not another one of me to, to feed you. But you know what, what's interesting about this? The real, the reality ends up being that they've made it difficult enough with paperwork that a doctor has a hard time doing the paperwork and doing the practice. Yeah. The actual, the actual hands on stuff that it takes to do patient care to, to, to make it work. Yeah. And it's not, be, I mean, the, the difference is, the difference I think is back in the day in the thirties and twenties, a lot of times doctors walked up to somebody's house, they carried their black bag, they 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 gave a shot, they did a surgery, they did whatever it was that they were going to do, and they walked out with money in their hand. Yeah. Or a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> or or if it took eggs for life to deliver a baby, that's what you did. Yeah. And everybody was and everybody worked out just fine. Because people worked and they they had an ethic that they dealt with, and if they if they didn't have that ethic, they were robbing banks and they eventually died because they were shot or got hung, mm-hmm. or they were some kind of outlaw. Well, but, and it, one of the big problems we have is that the the person who's consuming the healthcare um, is insulated from the payment for the healthcare. Right. It'd be like if there was, uh, um, it's like you put a penny in the fuse box, basically. Right. You know, that's, we can get into that some other time, but it's, you know, if you're not the one that's actually paying for it, then, oh, God, yes, I want a Cadillac. You know, if you go to the car lot and you're not the one paying the bill, you're going to load the thing up with options. Right. You know, so, but anyway. Yep. So you got more grinding to do today? Yeah, I got a uh, handle setting up. I'm gonna go check on it, see how it's doing. Oh, epoxies. <laughs> oh yeah, I should I should that, talk that about that. Was a this. biggie. So, um, you know, when you when at least when I forge something, uh, it's not like perfectly flat. You know, it's not like yeah, the Lexus yeah. uh, commercials where you roll the ball bearing <laughs> yeah. and all that. Um, it's uh there's a little bit of variation to the surface and sometimes there's even a little bit of a a slight bend or something you know there's there may be people that are able to produce like you know precise i'm just not one of those people i i get it close enough that if you set it on a table it doesn't rock and certainly if you look at it you're not going to be able to tell but if you take like you know, if you're looking straight at straight edge, yeah, straight edge, uh, and then go over every possible little angle of it, you're going to find some variance in there. Uh, and there's this uh, epoxy stuff that's called um, Loctite 324, and then there's an activator, a spray activator called um, 1075 activator or something by Loctite, and it's fantastic stuff in that. You put it on, you, you spray the piece down with the activator, let it dry, and then you put the the epoxy on, and two minutes later, it's set. 
and it's like like high impact like bomb ass epoxy um and you don't have to use very much of it you need like a drop no. of the stuff it's like no. literally um but the the problem is like an an ounce of it or 50 milliliters is like thirty dollars mm-hmm. you know um and uh, if there's any variation in the surface, you're going to have to put like a whole lot on there to fill up the space. Right. And um, so that was kind of a, a thing that, you know, uh, I had a little problem gluing the the handle onto my parang with the with the Loctite three three twenty four. Um, but then I I went back and filled in the spaces with like like you know high strength epoxy or whatever devcon or something like that yeah so it's it's one of those things uh yeah that stuff is a learning thing that's the like with with the stuff that you're doing you might want to use like a two-piece yeah and that's that's epoxy like that's what i always something like that yeah that's what i always did before um loctite makes a uh their high strength five minute epoxy is like awesome that's that's what i always used before but this time i decided to try i had a bottle of the Loctite 324 and a thing of the activator. And it's great if, if your stuff is, like, perfectly flat and, like... Well, a lot of stuff, like the stuff that uh, um, knife companies that are using that stuff, are they tend to be surface ground. Yeah, and it's a it's a, per, it's a nearly they're pretty, perfect... They're pretty true. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty true. And there's, the you know, but I, I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to see what some of the guys that are doing forged blades are using for their epoxy. But I, I'd guess that they're not using that Loctite 324 no, no, stuff. No, no, no. I would. They're mostly using, I think, some kind of two-part epoxy. Yeah, and the the one that I've had the best luck with for is just the Loctite two-part uh, high-strength stuff, and yep. that's that's what I'm going to go back to. Because mm-hmm. um, even even like my um, the ones that I'm making, the forged ones with the forged guard, there's still going to be a little bit of variance in the. Um, in it because when you forge in the guard, even if that's the only thing you're forging, you're still introducing like some little teeny tiny bends here and there. Right. So right. I'm gonna for those I'm just gonna go back to the two part epoxy. But uh anyway, so that's like learning by doing, you know. Yep. Yeah, that's and that's a that's a pretty well that can that can be a uh, that's a relatively easy one to learn. Because yeah. you don't screw anything up in the process, right? But uh, you just see that the handles don't fit right, and you got to do something different. Yeah, and um, yeah, and it's uh, so it's a learning process, and and that's why I always make prototypes because <laughs> uh, you figure out what works and what doesn't on the prototype, and then you're never going to try to sell it. Right, right, you right. Know? And that's uh, if if for those that are following me on Facebook, I did a prototype of the Bowie. And uh, it's funny, it, I made a mistake when I was grinding it because the grinder was like brand new and it like, I uh, was not used to using it and it takes off way more than you would ever suspect. <laughs> Bad grinder, right. some of your handle. Right, so so I put the, I put, I started like grinding the handle to shape um, before I put it on and then the scales were like a little bit lower than the tang I'm like, oh, well, I'll just grind the tang down a little bit. Ground it down, and the next thing I know, like, the, sh- the handle shape is wrong. So I <laughs> tried to do a bunch of things, but and I got it to something that's very usable, but it does not look right. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, I put the picture up on uh, Facebook, and um, Mike took my knife and photoshopped like I think it's probably like a Bravo three handle onto it or something. <laughs> <laughs> bastard <laughs> so uh but i i Look, did I uh, fixed it what, yeah i know but i what i did was i i did end up changing the handle shape just slightly mm-hmm. um and the the challenge is and this is this is something that you learn as you go along is that i know exactly how the handle should be to perform perfectly the challenge is getting it to perform perfectly, but also look good, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then, um, you know, making, making little compromises in the shape that won't have a huge effect on the, um, ergonomics of the knife. Mm-hmm. And then that's why you do a prototype and then go from there, you know? Right. Yeah. <sighs> yes, sir. That's true. Well, that is true. So anyways, what what else has been going on cooking wise? Have you been cooking anything? Uh I made some Cuban pork roast a while ago. Uh haven't been doing a huge amount. You know, Lent started yesterday. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. Tuesday was Fat Tuesday. Yeah, I guess so you're right. Forty days of fasting. Fasting? What am I gonna or giving do? something up? Al, you're supposed to eat fish on Friday, I know that. Or eat anything but meat or meat products on Friday, but you can eat fish. Okay. <clears throat> but short of that, you're supposed to do something good or give up something bad. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh. Well, don't your kids go to a Catholic school? Yeah, they do. Um, so they must have talked about that. They must have came home uh, Wednesday with ashes on their forehead. Uh, no, they didn't. Um, but, or they, they probably had them on there and then they got wiped off through the course yeah. of monkey business or whatever. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Pretty big deal. Anyways, you got anything else? Nothing. I got to go stack wood. I got to go grind my handle. <laughs> yeah. We all got to do what we got to do. Yeah. <laughs> So you're uh, you're about ready to uh, send one up here to test. You 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 beat me up on it. <laughs> I don't want to send it to you. <laughs> Why? Because uh, I don't know. Well, I'm not gonna blow smoke up your ass. No, I know, but like. Uh, oh, this is Kyle's knife. It's absolutely perfect because it works so flawlessly. Yeah, I'm never gonna say that if it isn't. Well, I know, but like. Uh, and I just know. won't say it public. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I I mean, it's gonna function and do what I want it to do, or I won't. I won't put it out there, you know, because I don't need the frickin' money. So it's gonna work the way I want it to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll, uh, oh, they're not ready yet. I gotta. The other uh, information uh, I need to get eventually is where to send them for heat treat. <laughs> I think you gotta send them there. 
I oh, I know I know a place I can send them, but I kind of want to send them to a place that's got like the salt bath. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, I'm pretty sold on that idea of a precision yep. heat treat. You know, I, I'm not going to make any freaking compromises on these. You know, I don't, I, I really don't care if, you know, if I have to spend a little bit more to make them right, you know, so I'll have to figure that out. Did I say that somebody should not be afraid of this knife? Oh, the the Drop Point Hunter by Barker. Yeah. yeah, it's a great yeah. knife. You should buy yeah, it. The, the uh, hands down, you should buy it. This is one of their nicest, most attractive looking models. Yeah, it's a great knife. My mm-hmm. my preferred um, hunting knife that Bark River makes is the Boone Two. In fact, it's probably sitting around here somewhere. But I just love that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the loveless drop point hunter is uh, great, great knife. Yep. Yep. Oh, love of God, I'm yawning today for some reason. I'm still tired from yesterday. I think we had to walk. We didn't have to walk. We had snowmobiles and airboats and shit out there yesterday. But mm-hmm. we had a. I walked in and out twice, hmm. and it's a, it was about a half, well, about three quarters of a mile offshore. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't carry anything. We loaded all our stuff up in a in a sled and got it hauled out there. But but I still walked back and forth twice, mm-hmm. and um, so I'm kind of uh, that and diving and the cold weather and the cold water and you know when when you dive in cold water, I don't know if you knew this or not. Um, I shaved yesterday morning, mm-hmm. and normally by the end of the day I have a little bit of a little bit of a growth, but I don't. I'm not worth shaving. Mm-hmm. Whenever I ice dive, I actually have a face full of hair when I that evening. <laughs> it's like it's almost like your body says, "What the fuck? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. So here's a beard. Whoop. I wonder if and it's uh, because your skin shrinks or something. I, I, don't, I always like... wondered that because it's uh, it's like that every every time. I mean, it's you know, I've been ice diving for forever. I mean, literally. I mean. Since the 90s, mm-hmm. early 90s, 89, something like that. I don't know when my first ice dive was. But but up until the last couple of years, I, I noticed it, but I never really said anything about it. But the last couple of years, I really started, like, watching what happens, you know. And I, before, I'm, before I go, I'll shave, you know, and be nice and tight, you know, mm-hmm. tightly shaved. And, uh, and you go in the water, and by the end of the day... I've got such a such a growth going that I'm thinking that God, I could shave again right now. It's probably another thing. It could be is um, it probably amps your metabolism up to be in that cold water. Well, that could be your thyroid. It'll your thyroid gland will kick into high gear to maintain your body temperature. And so I'm, what I'm thinking is that maybe the hipster doofuses that are getting beard transplants, maybe they should just. Stick their face in some ice cold water. Yeah, and like maybe their whole head <laughs> for twenty minutes. Yeah. Just hold their head in there for twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and it probably would be. <laughs> they'd probably end up. Or maybe if they lived where it was really cold. Yeah, you know, you ever notice that Alaskan mountain men and shit? They always have. They got big old beards. Yeah, you don't see too many of those guys with scruffy beards. No, no. So I think it's. The, I think the cold weather has something to do with that. Maybe I don't know. Be interesting to figure out. Well, so, anyways, that's my that's my. Oh, huh? 
Funny story. Okay, I got to end this with a funny story. I, I'll tell one too. Okay, so so in spite of all the depressing bullshit that we're going through right now with the economy and with the Obama and Obamacare and some things do happen to you in a good way. Okay. So a lot of people know that I wear hearing aids. Right. From I have high end hearing damage from tractors and trucks and uh, helicopters and machine guns and all kinds of stuff. I have high end hearing loss. <clears throat> Last Sunday, I came in from cutting wood, and I thought, self, you deserve a nap, a nice <laughs> Sunday afternoon nap. Yeah. So I go down, I lay on the couch, and my big doofus, the dog that doesn't, that's normally barking, that's now not barking, um, he sees me laying down on the couch, and he runs over, and he jumps up on me, and he gets right on, like sits on my hip, because I'm kind of laying on my side. And he reaches down, and he sticks his nose in my ear. And I shoo him away, and he takes off, and I take a 15-minute nap, and I get up, and talking to my wife and I can't really hear what she's saying and she's saying something to me and and uh I'm going what what is you know and and uh sometimes sometimes that they get shut off or something happens and I still have them in you don't really notice them when you wear them you don't really notice that they're in you notice them when they're gone is when you notice them so um and you only if you're talking to somebody so I reach up and I'm like, where the hell is my hearing aid? You know, I got one, I, one of them's missing. So i like, that's son of a bitching dog. <laughs> so I so I go over to the couch. I'm looking around and I don't see it anywhere, you know. And I, uh, I push the couch back and lo and behold, there it is, laying on the floor, crunched. Oh, geez. So it's smashed. Okay, so my hearing aids are like five grand a pair. Yeah. Okay, so that's $2,500 a piece. I'm pissed. I'm livid. So Monday morning comes, and I'm like, I'm like not even talking to the dog. I'm all pissy. Kathy's going, you can't be mad at him. He doesn't even know what he did. You know, that, was, <laughs> that was an hour ago. He has no idea what he did. <clears throat> so Monday morning comes. I call my insurance company thinking that there's a possibility that my homeowners will cover it. Mm-hmm. Call him up. And uh, my insurance guy says, uh, well, no, it's not covered because it's the domestic animal that did the damage. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it's not covered because it's a domestic animal that damaged it. Mm-hmm. I was like, you mean to tell me that if a freaking uh, weasel jumped up on my ear or a badger jumped up on my ear, grabbed my hearing aid and smashed it and crunched it, they would be covered? And he said, yeah, it sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? (laughs) So I was like, God damn. So, yeah, so my second phone call is to to my hearing aid guy, and I basically am kind of going, you know, I got my hearing aid, it's in pieces, and I don't know if it can be fixed, but maybe I thought I'd give it a chance, otherwise i got to order a new one. So I go in there, and and I was speaking to the receptionist, and... uh, so I go, I go in there, and the, the hearing aid guy says, the doctor says, uh, you know, this is your lucky day. He said, because you bought those, that set three years ago, just under three years ago, and uh, and they automatically come with a damage and 
um, loss policy attached to it. Oh, cool. So I got my new hearing aid. Nice. And I badgered, didn't even have to get it out of my ear to get an insurance company to pay for it. That's funny. <laughs> well, so um, I had a flashback the other day when I finished the prototype for the Bowie. And uh, I'm like, God, I have held this knife before. I'm like, man, this is like, this feels so familiar. And then I remembered when I was you like. took a piss. When, no, when I was seven years old, right, uh, we went on this big, huge rock hunting trip because my dad was one of these guys that, like, polishes rocks and all this crap. And so we'd go out into the desert and dig around and all this nonsense. And I have countless stories about that because we did it a lot. Um, but on the way out west, we stopped by uh, El Paso because my dad wanted to go to Mexico. Because I don't know what he wanted to do there. But um, he, he like, bought a bunch of shit for the house, like a chandelier or something. But so we go to El Paso, and then the town that's on the other side of it, we cross over. And uh, they basically turned me loose. Like, they said, okay, well, we're going to go shopping. Like, you can do whatever you want. And so I'm wandering around, uh, seven-year-old, and I've got, like, ten bucks in my pocket. And so... I wanted two things. I wanted to buy a big knife and I wanted a pomegranate. <laughs> and I, I don't understand how the hell I even knew what a pomegranate was at, at seven. Like, cause I'd never seen one before, never even heard of one. So I'd go into these stores and ask these guys that didn't speak any English about a pomegranate. And no, of course, none of them had it. But we get into this one store and there's this like, oh, halo this gold halo around this huge bowie knife right it's like it's speaking to me so i go and i look and it's like three dollars you know it's this big huge awesome bowie knife so i bought it and uh finally meet up with my parents like trying to hide it and stuff uh but my dad sees it and he was like all happy i bought it my mom of course was pissed and uh we, you know, eat Mexican food, and of course, I'm used to like Tex-Mex at best, and I didn't like the food. And we go to go across the border back into the into the states, and my dad's like, "Oh shit!" Like we're lined up to go back into the country, and we're in the line of cars, and there's no way out. And he's like, "Oh shit!" And my mom's like, "What?" And he's like, "I have a 38 here." So he had a he had a 38 with him that we he used to like shoot snakes or whatever if they were bothering us like rock hunting. And mm -hmm. uh and we're in Mexico and we're going to bring a 38 like back into the country or something. And it's unregistered because there wasn't such a thing as registration back then when he bought it. And he's like freaking out and stuff. My mom hides it in his purse or in her purse and uh we make it through no problems, although the, the guys, they, they were more interested. They thought that they were smuggling me back into the country, a little blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white <laughs> kid. Um, but then the, the rest of that trip, I was just chopping shit with that Bowie knife. And uh, I still have <laughs> some scars on my hand right here. I decided I was going to chop a cactus. <laughs> and this cactus is called a jumping cactus. And I chopped it, and the thing, like, came, sprung back and stuck into my hand. Ooh. <laughs> and I was stuck to the thing, and it's got these hooks on there, and I couldn't get away. So my dad, like, cut 
the part o- part out, and then he used like pliers to pull it off. I mean, it was like horrible. Oh. But that's my Bowie knife story. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Misadventures with a nine-inch uh, Mexican-made Bowie knife. Wow! Yeah. But mi- so you so you were wandering around Juarez. You're lucky you came back. Well, this was this was a long time ago. I was seven. That was like a long, long time ago. It wasn't you don't always think they like had banditos that. back then. Not like they do today. It, it was a completely different situation there. Yeah. Well, I, I I did crazy stuff my whole life. Like they they just basically would turn me loose wherever we went. You, know? you ever think that they were trying to get rid of you? Uh, the thought has crossed my mind, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I've always here, kinda... kid. Here's ten bucks. Go play in go play in the streets of Juarez. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, and if you can't, if we can't get rid of them, honey, if we can't get rid of them there, we'll go to Nogales, and then after that, we'll hit up Tijuana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's, that's my funny story. Well, at least you weren't getting turned loose in the swamp in in uh, Louisiana. That happened. I've I've been turned loose in mountains, um, desert, swamp, whatever, at from the age of like six on. So. Yeah, so I would think that you that a lot of times if a parent puts a hook in your ass and hangs you from a tree in in the swamp in Louisiana, they're probably trying to get rid of you. <laughs> Here kid, go fishing for alligator. Hey, all right. Uh, but, uh, no, anyway. <laughs> That's funny. I got nothing else. You got nothing else, huh? Nothing new? You didn't get nothing new lately? Just that Trangia stove, but I think we talked about that. Yeah, we did talk about that. I don't think I got anything new either. Hmm. Pretty much boring. Well, next uh, next weekend we'll be in uh, Bark River. Yeah, we'll have to do a remote podcast from there. For sure. There's a lot of people that show up at that that'd be interesting to talk to, too. If we can find the time to do it. I'm probably only going to grind that one knife, and it's going to go yeah. quick. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 probably what I'm going to do too. It's going to go. It, I bet you it doesn't take an hour to grind that sucker. I've got uh, I've got a couple friends that are coming up. Um, one guy that you'll like. He, he's kind of interesting. He's a uh, um, he's a musician. Sweet. Plays. Uh, Stringed instruments, guitar, banjo, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of like a wannabe mountain man kind of guy. Okay, you know he's the kind of guy that'll that'll try to eat anything once. He actually tried to eat a coyote. That'd which, be gross. People do eat those, oh, but it's well, you nasty. have no idea how bad it is. Yeah. It's terrible. They're terrible. You know, I mean, porcupine, possum. I've eaten I've eaten uh, most of that stuff. I've never eaten a coyote, but I've eaten some. I've eaten armadillo, like all Coyote's, kinds of shit. Coyote's probably the worst tasting, shitty piece of crap meat that you ever want to taste. You probably have to I stew it. It'd be better. I can't even imagine anything tasting that bad. <laughs> I can't imagine anything tasting that bad. Human probably would taste better than that. human tastes like pork. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you how you know that. Because mm. of like the way chicken. it smells when it's cooking. <laughs> Tastes like chicken. No, <laughs> like pork. 
That's but, funny. And I know that because of the way humans smell when they're cooking. Yeah. Because of cauterization? Cautery and also, uh, you gotta remember I spent seven years in burn units. Yeah. So. Cooked flesh tastes like pork. Smells like pork. It so smells you can get exactly like cracklings. Like it. Cracklings out of the burn unit. Yeah. With a little barbecue sauce and you're all set. <laughs> we're grossing, <laughs> we're grossing people out now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good, good trip up there. I'm not gonna so spend you're staying a, in the flea bitten hotel? Yeah, sunset motor in, baby. Already got my room. Yeah. Cost me fifty bucks for the whole weekend. How do you like them wow. apples? Wow. Yep. Wow. That's cheap. Yeah. Priceless. There's some kind of party going on up there too. Where? Some kind of a uh, some kind of a uh, uh, at the Terrace Inn. They're hard to get rooms at the Terrace Inn this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably a wedding or something. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. But anyways, well, that's all I got. Um, we got to get we got to get back in tune with doing these more often because I got way too many hate mail, way too much. Well, hate that's mail that's about. why I told you over the weekend, <laughs> like yeah. you know, six days ago, <laughs> I yeah. was starting well, to it's get. Been, it's been brutal. I mean, we've yeah. just been we've been running ragged. Yeah, and, and I and you too. I mean, yeah, we were trying to do one Friday. Was it Thursday, Friday last week? Yeah, and it just and didn't we've work been and... like putting it off. This is not going to work. That's not going to work. Today's not going to do. Oh, wait a minute. We're going to do one Monday. Oh, I forgot I had surgery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That we were literally ten minutes from doing one on Monday, and then like yeah, somebody called me. It's like, uh, where are you? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got hung up. I was in the ER. I'll be I'll be right over. Yep. 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 So, okay, people, American Knife Company, you, you didn't start a, a, a page with your... Not yet. Now watch somebody will blades. do it. But, um, no, I haven't done it yet. I here's Okay, so here's the thing. Um, that initial batch of Bowies is basically gone. And I there's, there's a couple left, um, but... What I don't want to fall into is the trap that everyone falls into that's a knife maker. And that's to ramp up demand before you can meet demand. Mm-hmm. You know, and what happens is it's like the guy that does the skookum bush tools. He's got a five year waiting list. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, that's obscene. Like, and I just don't, I don't want to get into the situation where I have like a list of, things that I absolutely have to do and have people calling me for them like constantly. I'm supposed to get one of those next year. Yeah, I know, but you're one of the lucky ones. Now his, his wait list is like five years long. You know? And I think and, and America, the American Knife Company may make a knife like that. I think they should. Um, the, the thing you might have a, a problem with is the uh, you got to find a, a step that where you can tack weld that uh, butt piece on to the tang. And mm-hmm. then if you can find a way to get that done economically, then knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm trying to avoid. And until I have like, like actual product um, and a lot of it, I really don't want to, promote it <laughs> i suppose right. i should put up a, a page just to save the the name but um and probably, yeah, probably so somebody else doesn't do it because somebody will <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh yep yeah but i you know again i'm i kind of have to be careful about that because i don't 
I don't want to be the guy that, you know, is getting called like 18 times, where's my knife, where's my knife, where's oh, my knife. Oh, that's going to happen anyways. Well, no, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, from now on, I'm going to be sneaky about it. And I'm not going to tell people what I'm wor- working on until it's done. No. Until I have 15. And I'm going to say, you want one? Here it is. It's ready to ship. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to forecast what I'm doing anymore, I don't think. Because then, you know, like, yeah, you can you can get them all sold and stuff. But, like, then I feel like you're, you're letting some people down by, you know, because it takes time. Because you know, now I, I still have to finish all of those um, things. Then I have to heat treat them. Then I have to make handles. Then I have to get sheaths made. You know, I mean, it's there's still a ways out, and people are like freaking out about them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the sheath is always going to be the problem, anyway. Yeah, I've been been talking to Dwayne, um, Armor All Leather. Mm-hmm. See what he comes up with. Um, did you did you tell him about my? Uh about the saddlebags? Oh, I forgot. Remind him about that? I forgot. Next time we talk to him, remind him about those. Yeah, but but I've, I've talked to him, and he's going to... Basically, what I'm looking for is the... You know, I don't care if it's a little more expensive, um, but I do want, like, a decent turnaround time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to order a sheath and then have it be six months. Or right. one time I waited uh, a year and a half for a sheath from him. Like, I see he hand cuts all of his sheets, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, so They're like all individually. So like for me, like you know, if I'm going to offer that as a sheath option, it's going to have to be like you know pretty much maximum turnaround time of a month, right? You know, because I got I got like I, I, as soon as I finish these, I've got another one I'm going to do something else, right? You know, so right, like right. I can't be. I can't be waiting a year and a half for sheets. You know who you might want to try too? Try hedgehog leather. That's pricey oh, stuff. Me. Yeah, well, I think you're going to find that no matter who you're who you're talking with, it's going to be pricey when you're talking fit numbers of fifteen. Yeah, I mean they're going to be they're going to be fifty. I bet you fifty bucks a pop, which is to me is reasonable. Like mm-hmm. I'd, I'd pay fifty bucks, um, mm-hmm. and then just just figure that into the price of the knife. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, so I, I, I pretty much planned on spending 50 bucks a sheath, um, but I, I'm not going to spend 50 bucks a sheath and wait a year and a half for it. I'm just not like if I'm going to, yeah, you if, might, if I'm going to put in an order for 15, nobody else is putting an order in for 15 knives from these guys or 15 sheaths from these, you know, one off guys. Right. You know, so like if you want like a production, type business then you're gonna have to kind of maybe prioritize it a bit but we'll see Mm -hmm. hopefully hopefully that's what he's got in mind too the other person i was going to talk to is the um is this weekend at great lakes although Uh we'll see if uh he's even interested you know you know what are you flopping around oh this is a hemostat just uh i had on my desk but uh, anyway, that's all I know. Doobie holder. No. <laughs> uh, no? Roach clip? No. This is an actual, uh, it's actually not even a hemostat. It's a needle driver, which is different. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, that's all I know. All right. I'm going to go. Okay.
talk to you soon. I'll upload this as quickly as possible. Send our uh, uh, questions to podcast at knifejournal.com. Check us out on the website. Check us out on Facebook. Look at um, uh, Keep Your Eyes Peeled for American Knife Company. Um, and uh, Kyle Verstig's website page or uh, uh, Facebook page is KR Versteg V E R space S T E E G is my thing. And uh, I'm going to Iowa guy on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. What what YouTube videos have you put up lately? You know, that's what the have thing. you done it's, for us lately? I haven't done much. Um, and, you uh, bastard. I, well, and then like the funny thing about that YouTube thing is, is like some somehow it passed uh, it passed like five thousand subscribers a while ago. Like I, mm-hmm. I wasn't paying any attention, but then now I'm getting all these things where companies will say, "Hey, we want to send you this." And then, like, have you shoot a video with it, and then uh, you can give your viewers a 15% off code. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have time for that. Like, I don't, I'm, what do I want to do that for? But What is it? Like what? Like well, like, the latest one is, like, some company that, that's making razors wants to send me, like, some some razors, and I'm like, well... I didn't even respond to it because I just don't have the Catlick, the Catlick Razor Company, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those things, you know. It's like I, I just don't have time to be uh, messing with it. Mm-hmm. Right interesting. Now. Let me let me Very see. Here. Interesting. I'm gonna make history. Okay. 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 What are you doing? Hold on, hold on, it's happening. Okay, I just made the uh, Versteg Blades Facebook page. Oh, web page? Facebook page. Okay, I'll make history. I'm going to make history. I'm going to be the first one to like it. Wait, wait, wait. It's not up yet. Handmade. What should I say they are? Handmade um, high-quality knives. Um... What is the page called for Steg Blades? Yeah, just a minute. It's not quite up yet. Uh, here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Skip. Add to favorites. Next. Skip. All right, it's up. Um, you can search for uh, Versteg Blades, V-E-R space S-T-E-E-G Blades. Uh, and then I think the direct URL to get into it is www.facebook.com. I like it. I'm the first like. Versteg Blades. No I'm space the in like. there. Yep. I'm the first like. Nice. Hey, I saw that. <laughs> well, now I'll have to build the page. Yep. But uh, anyway, that's... Uh, what did you think of what did you think of the chicks on that uh on that picture? <laughs> yeah, they looked of the uh, American Knife Company. They that was pretty neat. Yeah, I'm not going to have any art cool artwork like that for a while. <laughs> I uh <clears throat> I was talking to the guy that's designing the working on the logo. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and I said, you know, I said I'd like to have, I'd like to have some, some like the whole web page should be something traditional, like with the nose art and uh, that kind of, you know, like World War Two nose art. Yeah, and have that look and feel to it. Yeah, and uh, so he's he's brainstorming some stuff for me, and and uh, uh, I was just throwing some stuff up. Like that American flag with the uh, with American Knife Company on it, I, I like a lot. Yeah, uh, but that's all stuff that can't be etched into the blade or lasered into the yeah, blade. Yeah, you gotta so have a you gotta you gotta do like I did and make stamp. your own little logo. Yeah, little stamp thing. So that's what he's kind of working on right now. But yeah, um, but this I like this. I like the I like the uh, American flag. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, so, I really do have to run. Uh, all right, and I'll you take try care to, of yourself, and I'll, we'll catch up uh, after a while. I'll try to put some artwork or something up on the. I'll flesh it out a little later. The Versteg blades, but if you go to, if you go to it now, there's nothing on there. So <laughs> there's nothing on there. But so have fun. I'm basically just saving the name. So yep. anyway, have fun. Yep. Stay out of trouble. I'll try. Keep your powder dry and your friends drier. Oh, wait, no, that's not what I'm supposed to say. Keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. Right, right. <laughs> try to stay warm down there. Are you getting cold? Nah. Is it, is it starting to break now down your way? It's like in the teens, which is yeah, actually yeah. tropical for us. Yeah, yeah, same here. All right, stay warm. Yep. Have fun. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye.